Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. We have two scriptures, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, and they are both from the New Revised Standard Version. First is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. The second reading is from Romans, the eighth chapter, and it's verses 25 through 35 and then 37 through 39. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God, who searches the hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn with a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ who died, or rather who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I realize there may be some, uh, some people out there watching on, online or even some of you sitting in the pews that don't know I'm Kurt Jensen, and I'm retired, 
but I began my career in this building in 1972 as an associate pastor of this church, this congregation. And I hang around with this person over here that plays flute in the band. So, And she grew up in this town and in this congregation. So here we are. I've been thinking a lot about family recently, partly because my sister is recovering from a stroke and because my brother spent some time with us um, just in the last couple of years and because we gathered yesterday with Anne's family here in town for dinner together and because our daughter and son-in-law and their girls were with us for a while this past week, who they now live in Fredericksburg, and so a lot of reasons I'm thinking about family, and I want you to know that my mom and dad were both firmly committed to living out their faith in the Heart Methodist Church. Of course, it's United Methodist now, but way back then it was Methodist. And as our family grew to four of us kids, they were very clear about the importance of participation in the life of the local congregation. We never wondered what we would be doing on Sunday morning. You know, if there was an invitation to an overnight party of any kind, anywhere, even with the best of families in town, if it was Saturday night, we knew the answer was no because we had to go to church in the morning. Jensen's would go to church, period. We went willingly as kids and developed the good habit of being present in the worshiping congregation. We kids would sit with Dad in the front left pew up here right ahead of where Diane and Chuck are sitting. Uh, we Right in the front because Mom would be the organist or the pianist earlier and she'd be playing over here and when the pastor was ready to preach she would come and sit with us for the sermon. And so it was a, something that we developed as a habit. She was a young woman musician in the church and didn't retire until she was 80 years old from that position in the Heart Church. So I learned the good habit of church going from my parents. And that became a constant for much of the rest of my life. John Skinner heard me saying some of this this past Tuesday and said, well, you sound like you were indoctrinated. Well, yes, I was, but you know, indoctrination runs into a good habit. is not a bad thing, I don't think. My faith began with a church going habit that I learned from my parents. And that's part of what keeps me going. And that habit went with me when I entered Michigan State University and I discovered Wesley Foundation and the University Methodist Church at MSU. The Wesley Foundation at MSU was one of the two places where everybody knew my name and the decisions I was facing. But, you know, the first two years at MSU were very, very easy and nice, but all hell broke loose at the beginning of my third year in college. I got tired of my science and math studies. I was a math major. I failed a couple of courses. I did poorly in another one. And I stopped going to church for a few, well, a couple months there in that fall semester. But I never quite quit going to Wesley. And the campus minister there knew that I was spinning and needed some direction. He knew that I needed help making a transition of majors in midstream. He helped me realize that I should redirect my studies into social work as a prelude to finding myself someday as a church minister. 
<laughs> he helped me find ways to participate in the civil rights movement of the day, how to respond to the Vietnam War and war and peace issues in general. He helped me understand how to respond to God's call on my life, including the choice of a seminary to attend. And it's not an accident that I'm wearing my T-shirt from the School of Theology in Claremont, California. He helped me decide that that was where I needed to go. There were annual canoe trips, weekly communion services, Sunday suppers, eight weeks in Alaska on a summer service project, all because of my relationship with that campus minister. And it kept me held deeply in Christian community. Obviously, what kept me going at that time was being involved with a creative campus ministry that had a director who helped me see my best interests and my best strengths and a happily return to the good habit of church participation. Have you been or can you be the one who helps another one make sense out of what's happening to them? Or can you become a supporter of Audra Hudson Stone and the CMU campus Wesley Foundation? You know, one of the things that we can do is help people when they're in those kinds of messy decision-making times. And it doesn't just happen when you're young. A lot of us go through that when we're young, but some of us find it a little older as well. And then I, I'm moving ahead to the, uh, one of the times that I was a student out in, in Claremont at the School of Theology. And though I wasn't broke, there were times when I was living on the edge, especially during uh, Christmas break if I didn't choose to come back to Michigan for, for the Christmas break time. One of my professors had seen me so often eating peanut butter sandwiches for lunch that he paid for a week's worth of lunches for me. Someone who notices your situation and helps you deal with it is so important. Can you be that person for somebody? For anybody? Maybe. One of my appointments in my career was two difficult years at Lakewood, Lake Odessa. I followed Ward Pierce, who had been there for 16 years. I was not another word Pierce theologically or in any other way. And, and it was the time of 9-11 when lots of strange things were happening in the world, especially that experience. I kept going at that time with the supportive friendship of the pastor who was serving in Lake Odessa Central United Methodist Church at the same time. And our, so our congregations overlapped. And that man's name was Don Ferris, who just happens to be coming here soon as the pastor of this church, Don Ferris McCann. I also had frequent walks with another supportive friend serving a nearby congregation of a different denomination. They both helped immensely to get me through those two years. The friendship and the support and the shared ministry that we had in that community. Who can you be a helpful supporter of? There are probably people around that would love to have that in their lives. And then there was my move to Pentwater in January of 1996. It was a move that I made in um, 
January, the only time I ever moved in between normal moving times. The last Sunday that I felt normal was Easter Sunday. Something happened in my brain. For a while, I was able to function reasonably well and camouflage what was clotting my thinking and even kept it a secret for several weeks before fessing up to Anne and to the church. With a fair degree of patient understanding and consulting with doctors, including brain specialists, and with a retired pastor who lived in the community who offered to preach for me for, uh, as it turned out, only four weeks. But during that four weeks, Clyde Miller, who, by the way, still lives in Pentwater, offered to preach and did it for nothing. Out of his supportive care and trying to help the church as well as me get through this period of time. Well, I eased back into normal life and ministry after about four weeks, which was a surprise that it was no longer than that. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't real smooth for the first week or two back, but they were patient. What kept me going was the patience of the community, the ones that I was serving, and their willingness to serve me at the same time. Can you be patiently supportive and understanding when life becomes complicated for someone you know? Even somebody that may have a position that they're expected to serve you? And then, of course, came July of 2013, and all of you who have known us for any length of time know the story. When daughter Amber was discovered to have a non-functioning kidney, what kept us and her going was peritoneal dialysis for a year, the willingness of Anne's sister, who we had dinner with yesterday, by the way, uh, her sister Jan to donate a near-perfect matching kidney. And there was the understanding of the army who gave Johnny as much time as he needed to be a supportive husband and the miraculous ability of the Swedish hospital in Seattle to meet the difficult surgery as well as unexpected difficulties that followed. I've got nothing but praise for all of that miraculous help that kept our daughter alive. Thank you, God, and God's many servants of healing. Now, I titled this message. What did I title it? What keeps us going? I'm talking about what keeps me going, but what I'm suggesting to you is that it may keep you going at times, and you may be one of those persons that helps somebody else keep going. What keeps me going in retirement? Living on the river. Remembering the mountains I've seen and in some cases even climbed. You know, I look that Psalm 121 says something about looking on the hills and the wonderful feeling that the psalmist gets from that and the faith that he finds supported from that. I'm remembering the mountains I've seen and in some cases even climbed, including the Silver Lake sand dunes over in Lake Michigan. When you're a kid... They're mountainous. But add to that Rocky Mountain National Park, the Adirondacks, the Swiss Alps, Denali in Alaska, San Gorgonio in Southern California, Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. I've seen them all and climbed on most of them. And a few others, including Bundy Hill. Wait, that's not really a mountain, is it? But it's easy to get to. 
And I love walking and hiking and biking and enjoying Isabella County Parks and, and the Chippewa Watershed Conservancy Preserves. And, and I'm telling you this because, you know, one of the things that keeps us going, at least me and I hope most of you, is, is enjoying the natural world around us. <sighs> and then I think about issues that we have with climate and uh, right now with uh, the fact that my lawn is so brown, I wish we'd get some rain. But, you know, there's something really good about enjoying nature. And it might mean that you would find a way to be participating in Citizens Climate Lobby or Chippewa Watershed Conservancy or something of that nature, you know. Get with it and do what you can to do something about the world we live in. Yeah, and then there's the fellowship of church family. That includes you sitting in the pews here. If we are in town and feeling healthy and it's Sunday, you will find us in church, usually right here. Next Sunday it will be in Pentwater, but you'll enjoy it even without me here. There is one more constant that I want to mention that keeps me going. It's music of many kinds. I began singing in church choir in eighth grade, the adult choir, because the man who directed the choir knew me pretty well and realized that I could sing and, and uh, read music when I was even in eighth grade. And so I joined the adult choir. And I had two and a half years of cello lessons during that time until my teacher died. <laughs> it happens. But I played baritone horn and euphonium since I was in sixth grade. Sure, a lot of the time I was in high school band in those years, and, but our band played at Detroit Lions home football games. Well, one a year. But I've been in Pentwater Civic Band concerts in the Village Green. I've been in the occasionally joint concerts with the uh, Scottville Clown Band, been with the Hillsdale Wind Symphony, been with the Central Michigan Area Concert Band. I couldn't live without music. And I'm glad, yes, there's always a question about what kind of music is most important for worship. I'm glad we have you all here. And I'm glad that that Jane is applauding. She agrees with me. So once again, I want to just repeat that the two passages Bruce read this morning are two passages that I think about frequently. Your list of what keeps you going may or may not overlap with mine, but whatever is the case, I'm convinced of this. God does not remove us from difficult situations, but we are given ways to function, grow, and even thrive in the midst of those difficult times. Sometimes they're part of what keeps some others going. Or putting it another way, God is always making a way where there was no way before. May you look for ways that you could be part of what keeps other persons going. You know, it's one thing to think about where we're going, but, you know, you might be the answer to somebody else's question or decision-making or issue.
Amen.